Joining me today is a comedian, actor, and podcaster, Nick DiPaolo. Welcome to The Rubin Report. Thanks, Dave. How are you? I like that the first thing you said to me was, do I have to worry about any language here? Yeah. Which... You want to drop it right now? You want to drop all your, well, your, all your big words? Well, this place is fucking beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, I've seen you on YouTube and it looks like a TV scene. I felt like I was walking in to meet the press and... Yeah, the, this is very professional. Yeah, well, you got the, you know... I wore a jacket for you the whole I was going to put a tie on for you. That would have been a bit much. Yeah, that's what I thought. He, I, he would have seen right through that. Does anyone want to see a comedian in a tie? <sighs> Only if they're hanging themselves after they say something wrong. You know? Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> I think that's going to be the theme of everything we're doing here. Uh, so for the people that don't know you, give me a little, a little background on Nick DiPaolo. Pre-stand-up. Pre-stand-up? Yeah. I, I Did you up, have a life before stand-up? I, I, I don't know if you call it a life. I had a heartbeat and I was yeah. breathing. But, yeah. uh, I grew up about 22 miles north of Boston and a very middle-class white suburb, pretty much, and, and uh, went to college at University of Maine, and uh, came out of college, took a job uh, selling frozen steak and seafood door-to-door -door out of the back of an Isuzu pickup truck. That actually seems like a good prelude to stand-up. It was a great prelude. I'd walk into places, I'd lay out all my stuff. Like, yeah. I'd go into any, any any residents, small businesses, I'd, I'd go into a uh, real estate plant, I'd lay out all my stuff if they let me in. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they would, there'd be 20 people firing questions. How much is that per pound? Buh, 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 buh. Yeah. And it was great. I'd make them laugh and, and uh, you know, the stuff was really overpriced, but it was a boiler room operation. And I'm sure there's people that have seen me on TV since <laughs> saying, I'm going to find that. I bought Haddock for 85 bucks a pound from that jerk. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I did that for a few years and then they took a job. You ever see those companies late at night that market inventions, if you have an idea for an invention? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I did that and uh, started... Wait, wait, meaning you did one of those infomercials? No, I was, I, I actually was a, a, a salesman. Like, I had my own corner office, another boiler room operation. Wow, jeez. Which I didn't know. When you come out of college, it looks like a legitimate. They're in a nice building. I got a suit on and stuff. Then yeah. you find out... But but the the biggest one, I took a job with New England Rare Coin Galleries in Boston. It was like working at Merrill Lynch. It was on the 31st floor of a skyscraper. I had to wear a suit. It looked just like, uh, you know, Charlie Sheen of Wall Street when I went to work. So I did that. for That was brutal. I'm trying to sell $50,000 coins over the phone to somebody you've never met before. This is after selling steak and seafood. Door -door. Yeah. There's, there's so that didn't, ground. that didn't last long, right? Yeah. So I, I, I quit that. That... that I, I, I quit that, and about a month later, I'm watching TV. I see my boss being let out by the by the like FBI. No shit. <laughs> it was like a, a boiler, another boiler room operation. Jeez. Some of the coins were fake, and but uh, and but I started doing stand up, uh, you know, right right after that. Probably a couple, couple of years out of uh, college. And this is in Boston. Yeah, in Boston, yeah. a place called Stitches. There's a there's a documentary you've probably yeah, seen, yeah, it, I've seen when it. stand up stood out. Yeah. And that little club where they're interviewing people, Stitches, that's the first place I, I did my first joke, open mic. Yeah. I was drunk at a cookout in my parents' house, and like good parents, they gave me the keys and said, go on and try. I, so yeah, I put my name in, sure enough, I get called, uh, it was a Sunday night, I pull up to Stitches in Boston, and on the marquee, i never forget, it says, it said, comedy hell. 
<laughs> That's what. <laughs> so I, that was my first. George McDonald was the hostess guy in Boston. My first line on stage was an ad lib. That's when he said to me, "I knew you're going to be funny." I followed some guy in a, in a tuxedo, uh -huh. and uh, I had like a sweatshirt on, and, and, I, and I'm like, I didn't know what to how to dress, and I said, I, I didn't know I'd be following fucking Mr. Saunders, which is a <laughs> local tuxedo place, uh -huh. and, and that got like a nice laugh, and then I bombed and that, the next four minutes, yeah, and uh, was stupid enough to go back. Are you prepared for the what-ifs? What if something happens and you can't pay off the mortgage or college tuition? No one likes to think about the what-ifs, but I do. That's why I want life insurance. A lot of people think they can't afford it, but chances are SelectQuote could help you get it for less than a dollar a day. SelectQuote comparison shops up to 10 highly rated companies like Prudential, Banner Life, and Mutual of Omaha to find you the company with the best rates. SelectQuote's breakthrough technology allows them to quickly match you with the best insurance company and policy. Plus, quotes are free. You could be able to lock in a rate for up to 20 years and it won't change even if your health status does. SelectQuote could save you time and money, so get your free quote at selectquote.com slash Rubin today. That's selectquote.com slash Rubin for your free quote. Don't put off protecting your family another day. Selectquote.com slash Rubin. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your premium could vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states. And now back to the show. Yeah, so that's pr that's pretty much the beginning of everybody, right? You, yes. don't even, you don't even know how to screw up at the beginning. That's right. So you're kind of good by accident or something like that. That's right. The, that must have been a magical time in Boston. I mean, that's what the documentary is about, but there were major, major comics there all doing it seemingly for the right reason. Yeah. You know? before, I mean, before they even knew what what stand-up could become yeah. or what it would be, yeah. Yeah, and it's still to this day, you think about the people that have come out of Boston, I mean, uh, you know, uh, Jay Leno, yeah. Conan, Joe Rogan, Louie, yeah. Billy Burr, uh, myself, uh, even Kevin Meany and Ginny Graffler mm -hmm. moved to Boston at the time. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was a crazy Stephen Wright. These are. Yeah, he's a, legend. he's a legend. He's a legend. Yeah, I mean, so it, it, it's a crazy, but that was, it reminds me of Goodfellas at the beginning. It was a glorious time. You know? <laughs> I had a pot of, I had a pot of Coke next to my bed at the yeah. comedy condo. Uh, it, it was, it was unbelievable. How, how you, thin you did said, you cut the garlic? What's that? How thin did you cut the garlic? Yeah, very thin. With the, that, that, you could do There's that. There's a metaphor at, there. You, you could do that at Nick's. Yeah. You know, exactly. At Nick's, uh, that's how they get paid uh, at Nick's yeah. Comedy Club. You could get paid in Coke or money. And so there were a lot of drugs going yeah, on. Yeah, I wasn't a drug guy. I played, I was a jock. I played football in college, and, and, yeah. and uh, but they would kick me out of the green room, like yeah. uh, Steve Sweeney and Gavin and all the veterans. Uh, like, hey, rookie, you going to do this shit or get out? Yeah. <laughs> I'm standing outside. One time I tried, John Panette talked me into it. Uh, After about a year and a half. He talked me into doing a line. I go up on stage at Nick's, I'll never forget it. And I'm talking, I have cotton mouth from the cup. My lip keeps getting stuck like this. I have my hand in my pocket. And at one point it was quiet during this, so the guy yells out, hey, relax up there. I was jig jiggling my car keys. <laughs> <laughs> All the comics in the back were dying. I kept, I kept uh, tripping over my punchlines because my mouth was, my lip kept getting stuck on my teeth. And yeah. that was... How he didn't die earlier, I mean, he's the only, I love him so much, so I, I actually said, I'll do it for you. <laughs> right. you I don't mean any disrespect to him, but if he was doing a lot of coke, somehow the weight thing didn't... It makes no sense. Makes, yeah, was he, he was putting he was it on cheeseburgers and, you know. <laughs> 
I, I don't know. Yeah. But um, so that was the beginning. But following guys like Lenny Clark and Steve Sweet, these guys are legends. Your your fans probably don't know who they are, but to this day, I mean, Kenny Rogerson. These guys were as good. Now I've been doing it 30 years later, and I still haven't seen anybody, you know, yeah. rock or roam like that with a material, you know. So. What do you think happens to, to that type of guy? Because I don't even know those guys, really. I'll like, that, the guys that don't make it. Because I know, I mean, this is the same old story that we all have, but yeah. like some of the worst comics that I started with right. have become successful. And some of the best ones, and most actually, of the guys that I thought were really great right. completely disappeared. And, and we all have that story. Well, the guys in Boston, there was a, a, a couple of reasons. And it, it, it was so big. Comedy stand-up was booming in the mid-'80s, late-'80s. And that was the mecca, like you said. But these guys, like Nick's Comedy Club, held like 350 people. And it was just a money-making machine. And it was run by the boys. Yeah. <laughs> and they had like some of the guys sign agreements saying they couldn't perform anywhere else. Huh. But they were making, this is back in the 80s. They were, I remember one of the guys telling me they were making three grand, 3500 a weekend. Jeez. So why would you leave? Right, in the cities. It's in, not like you even had to go, homes. yeah, you didn't have to go on the road. They were in their homes. And they, you know, and like I said, they party their ass off. And, yeah. and, and, and they signed, some of them signed agreements saying that they couldn't perform elsewhere. So that's what, but I mean, they were making killer money, didn't have to get on a plane. Mm -hmm. And, and um, but, but in, in the long run, was saying, you know, who are they? But Steve Sweeney's been in a few Fairly Brother movies, and 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 Lenny Clark was brilliant. I saw these guys at their uh, Kevin Meany. Yeah, they had. A I always loved Kevin Meany. Unbelievably yeah. fun. Sweeney yeah. Meany night, they call. It. I was a bar back at, at Stitches Comedy Club before I come. That was the other job I for about six months. I just wanted to be near it, you know. Mm -hmm. And it was Sweeney Meany night. It was Kevin Kevin Meany and Steve Sweeney, who was the Godfather and uh, of comedy, uh, and they would. They would, uh, yeah, they had a show on Wednesday nights. Kevin Meany would go out on the street with a camera live, and the, a screen would come down in the club so the audience could watch. Mm -hmm. And he would pull over buses, <laughs> get on buses, and start making fun of people on the bus. Uh, him and Sweeney went into a, a Chinese restaurant next door. Sweeney's got like a cutout of, of a cop with his face through it. Uh -huh. He's pretending he's like a food... Uh, <laughs> yelling at the Chinese people yeah. to clean up the kitchen. Then they go into a ladies' room, and, 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 and there's a woman in the stall. They kick open the door with a camera. She's sitting on <laughs> the the picture crowd in a club. This would not fly these days. No, it wouldn't. Of yeah. course not. That would be too much fun. And, yeah. and uh, But picture that. People inside, well, I've never heard laughter like that in my life. Kevin's, Kevin... I mean, he, he waved out a cop and started giving the cop shit, and the cop got mad. <laughs> and we're watching this on a screen inside. Yeah. I mean, brilliant. And, and, and you know, it was, it was, it was an unbelievable time. There was more, stage, more stages available than comedians at that. Yeah. I worked 300 nights my first year in college. So this is what, what year around? 88. So this is like sort of, sort of at the end of like the boom of yeah. the boom, right? Yeah. Because like, what, what do they say? That when Dice sold out uh, Madison that? Square Garden like three nights in a row, that was when the whole thing shattered, yeah. basically. Yeah, that yeah. sounds about right. Which I think right. was around 90 or 91, yeah. something like that. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. But every, I worked, it's tough for these guys, so the game has changed so much. But me and Louis C.K. came up together. He was already doing it a year or two before me. Mm -hmm. I met him, he was 18. I was like 25. And, uh, but the, every restaurant and pub in New England, not yeah. just Boston, I could show you my book from my first year. Monday night, I'd be at Chinese restaurant in Rhode Island. Tuesday night, I'd be at uh, some Mexican restaurant in Franklin, Mass. Wednesday night, I might do a college. 
Thursday night, I'd be in Nashville, New Hampshire at a Holiday Inn, uh, you know, and on seven nights a week, there was so much stage time, as you know, as a stand-up, yeah. there's nothing more important. Yeah. And we thought that's how it was. We didn't realize it was a boom going on. Yeah, yeah. We thought this is how it is. Yeah. So I quit my day job. I was making more money after about 10 months. I could handle a rough room. I, I mean, that's pretty crazy after 10 months. I, well, I could handle I, I could handle a rough room, and some of the rooms are rough, the one-nighters, and yeah. I got the reputation that I could close these. There was one Kingston and Kingston Mass down in the Cape, and it was a pool hall, and it, it was kind of a bucket of blood room. Mm. And um, I went down, and uh, there's people literally playing pool in the back while I'm doing my... <laughs> but by the end of it, they had put yeah. their pool sticks down. And the guy that ran the place said, "This he's the first guy that ever had those guys wow. come in. And I got, so I, I started to close rooms after Buddy. Barry Katz was my manager. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he booked every room in New England. So I had work every night and uh, you could make, you know, I was making on the weekends, I'd make six, seven hundred, eight hundred dollars in cash. And I was, you know, making about as much as I was during the day. So yeah. I quit my day job. That's but crazy. It's a different could, time. Right. Though. No, no, ten month comedian in New York City. If you make no. six hundred bucks in a year, even now, I right. think you're you're right. pretty thrilled. Right. I feel yeah. I feel bad for these younger. Yeah. It's well, a whole different game. What do you make of just sort of you know when people say well comics are all just messed up and and the whole thing? What do you make about the the pain related to comedy that drags all of us in there? <sighs> I think some of it's overblown. I didn't, you know. I mean, we're all, we all have a screw loose somewhere. Yeah. But this whole stuff that you know, oh, you know, it has to be the kids who were bullied, and I, I don't buy that shit. Yeah. Even Bill Hicks had a bit about that, that he didn't buy into that either. Yeah. Supporting his parents supported him, whatever he did, blah blah blah. Which is sort of the way I was. I was very quiet and serious yeah. as a kid. Yeah, me too. Me yeah. too. And I bullied as much as I was bullied. Same Nobody hit. likes to say that, but it's the truth. That's the point. Yeah. We bully. I've been bullied, yeah. and I bullied. Nick, people. we're losing a lot of social justice warrior cred right now. Well, we're supposed thank, to be thank victims. Christ. Yeah. That's not what I'm here for. Man, Bill Hicks. I, I I miss Bill Hicks. I mean, he was a little before my time, but like, but like that—that that relentless pursuit of truth in stand-up. Yeah, and and he was politically to the left, but he was really funny and hateful about it. Yeah, I mean, that's he was his yeah. conviction. That's what I learned from watching him. Yeah, even to this day, when I have a joke in my head and I'm like, I don't know if I should say this or not. I, I use sort of him as a barometer. Yeah. But, you know, he was on the left. He wasn't getting too much trouble. Yeah. Showbiz-wise. But he said some, you know, stuff. The way he used to talk about Rush Limbaugh and stuff. I do the same thing to Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, well, his bit about Leno, regardless of what you oh, think about geez. Leno. I mean, it's one of the, it's one of the, it's so absolutely <laughs> perfect. It's just perfection. His head blows <laughs> up in the NBC Shelly. Peacock. I mean, come hey, on. Hey, Doc, is that a red jacket or is that uh, his brains on your coat? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it, pretty perfect. The angst and the, I have a lot of that in me. I have that chip that he had for, I don't know, whatever reason. I was born like that, you know, yeah. and, and that's what I loved about him. Politically, you know, he used to always say, there's nobody out there that could hurt us when, you know, talking about Iraq or whatever. Right. You know, how we have the biggest military, they have the third, whatever. Right. He says, there's nobody out there who's a fucking threat to us. I'd like to have bring them back to life and go, you know, tell them about 9-11. Yeah. You know. You know. Yeah. So, but, but he was so, he was, he, what a writer. And, you know, I, I don't have to be on the same side if you politically define you're funny. Yeah. But, but I find that, do you find the left doesn't do that? They'll, yeah, they'll, yeah. They'll, they'll All right, so let's, let's shift there a little bit. Sure. So what do you think has happened to stand up in the last, say, 
well, now it seems like 20 years, but, but in the last couple of years especially, it's gone from where it was seriously edgy, where every, every morning I wake up now and I'm like, man, I wish George Carlin was still alive. Not only because I think he was the greatest stand-up ever, but we need still some of that, although he'd be getting booed off college campuses because he's an old white guy. Yeah, but, but he was a, he, you know, I love Carlin. He's yeah. one of my idols too, but he, he was a lefty and he, he sort he, of he created a, this environment, um, but he was more, I mean, he was more, I guess, he was a lefty, but he was relentlessly against political correctness. Yeah. So yeah. that shows you how some yeah. of this stuff has changed. Yeah. But, but what do you make of sort of what's happened? I was telling you right before we started, the only reason I'm doing stand-up now, again, is because so many of these comics now uh, have become the politically correct children that they're supposed to be making fun of. And I was like, I guess I gotta go do it again. And now I'm doing it again. It's, it's you, bizarre. You know who I blame? And I'm not kidding. Yeah. You're gonna, the feminist movement. They're at the core. They're at the core of all this politically correct horseshit that drives us nuts. They, they're at the core of it. The whole, I think society's been feminized. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, guys, and again, I'm generalizing here, but for the most part. Even be, the loosest generalization will just cause. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> That's but, what they want, though. They want us to be walking around qualifying every statement. I don't mean everybody. No, then, exactly, you know, which I usually yeah. don't. Yeah. That's one thing I do in my act. I, I don't try to balance it out. Yeah. I'll pile on. And, um, but, but sensitivity. PC is, been, is based in sensitivity. Yeah. And, and, and that's not in our DNA, in most guys, you know. I, 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 and they have a never, their never-ending list of grievances. They just... They can't leave it alone. I don't watch movies anymore. I, I, I stopped about 20 years ago because I was aware of it. Something made me aware of it. I, 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 I can't suspend my disbelief and watch Angelina Jolie beat up 10 Marines. I, I just can't fucking do it. You know, I really can't. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I just, it's been feminized and, and this business draws a lot of people who were bullied and shit. Even back in the in the eighties, when I would watch films, I go, "Why is?" And I would say this. This is way before I was in comedy. Yeah. I go, "Why is the bad kid at the high school always the white kid with a letter jacket, the jock?" Yeah. And every and it's still to yeah. this day. This is thirty years later. Yeah, yeah. You Teen know? Wolf, Back to the Future, everything. Yeah. yeah. This, yeah. this. I mean, I know this. It's just. Um, when you run a small business, but you need more capital for things like hiring more employees, buying inventory, or upgrading your office space, what do you do? You get On Deck. On Deck is 100% committed to small business owners with fast, easy, and tailored financing. You can get funding in as fast as 24 hours with term loans up to $500,000 and lines of credit up to 100000 none of which require business collateral. The application process is simple and won't impact your personal credit. OnDeck loan specialists deliver some of the best customer service, and OnDeck has an A rating with the Better Business Bureau. If you're a small business owner and need access to capital, go to OnDeck.com slash Ruben right now. As an exclusive listener to this podcast, you'll receive a free consultation with one of their U.S.-based loan specialists. Apply online or by phone and get approved in minutes. Go to ondeck.com slash Ruben. That's O-N-D-E-C-K dot com slash R-U-B-I-N for your free consultation now. And now back to the show. You know, there's a lot more women comics and, and, and whatever, uh, but the, it, that's where the PC comes from. It comes from the left. Nobody ever says that. 
the censorship. I know people have bought into it now, yeah. politicians on both sides, yeah. and guys have acquiesced. I guess it's guy's fault that we let it get this far. Yeah. Is it weird how it flipped, though? Like, Because you could look at, say, the 90s when the right was screaming about video game violence and all this stuff, and it's like, yeah. no, it doesn't cause real violence. If anything, it actually right. confuses. So this is where it's like, to me, the right doesn't get a pass. They, The right is way better now in terms of political correctness and free speech and all yeah. that. Um, but, but yeah, the left has become... Well, yeah, it's one thing to yell about video game violence, which may or may not be true, whatever. I never bought into that. I watched yeah. Three Stooges from age six yeah, to you 40. Were... <laughs> I never fucking, I never hit my brother in the head with a crowbar, poke my mother in the eyes. Yeah. But, uh, um, yeah, they were wrong on some stuff, but but not to the degree that yeah. the left's going with changing the left. Political correctness, you know, the definition is, you know, changing people's behavior through language. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with the... Today, it's going the he and the she, you want to be called they and the... <laughs> I'm sorry that I didn't ask about your pronouns before we started. Yes, I'd like to be, I, I don't even know what they are. Call me them. It. It. Call yeah. me, so most people call me. But, so it was kind of funny. Do you, do you remember, uh, do you remember when it started seeping into the clubs? Um, not, I, there's no one specific moment, you know? I've been doing this 31 years or whatever, so yeah. I, I finally, after all this time, people come out to see me. They know what's coming, mm -hmm. you know? But I do remember early in my career, I was at Clark University, I was doing a college. Mm -hmm. And Clark University, I think it's Clark in Massachusetts, it's even liberal for a Massachusetts school. That's liberal. Yeah, and, and I did some joke uh, about a Middle Eastern guy at a gas station. He couldn't find my oil. He was trying to chant. I said I had the one Middle Eastern guy that couldn't find oil, whatever. <laughs> and some kid in the front row at college, he's got short. He goes, Jesus, that was a, f what are you going to do, abortion jokes next? So I just rattled off like eight abortion jokes yeah. <laughs> off the top of my head, and the whole place was booing. Yeah. And it's the only time I got off stage a couple minutes early. Really? Yeah. So that, and that was a long time ago. Yeah. But um, I don't know, if you say it with enough conviction, um, I, I don't know, I get, I get a thrill out of it. I, th these are good and bad times, but I, I've always, even after my first open mic, uh, about six months in my open mic experience, a, a comic said to me, you're, you're politically incorrect, that's, that's where it's headed. And even I said to him, I go, I, I go it's going to get a lot worse. That was, this was like an 88 or 89. Yeah. And it, it did get a lot worse. Do you think it can get? Much worse than no. It's I mean, now you see articles in BuzzFeed every day about stand-up. Either needs to be not funny now. We should enter. You know, did you see that article? I, a couple I did ago? see. We should enter a phase where stand-up shouldn't be funny, so that we can. Imagine address we're having the that conversation. Yeah, we're even having that conversation. Stand-up. That's the antithesis of what stand-up's <laughs> supposed to be. Yeah, you're supposed to say what people won't say, and and that's in the DNA of a comic. I yeah. mean, in high school, if I saw an opening in class. For a joke, yeah. I would uh, you know let it fly, and uh, I, I can't believe it's to this point. But I, I don't know where else it, it can go. I well, mean, it can go in the direction that you know they'll force clubs to stop booking people, and they'll kick the rest of us off. Well, then we'll start, and, a black market will pop up like anything else when you prohibit something, right? Yeah. And then it get really get fun. But then we have a civil war. Can we have the goddamn war? I'm on the side with all the guns. You can go right there. I'm on the side with all the guns, okay? Let's get it on. I'm tired of it, man. I, but uh, at least, like I said, by now, at least I market myself and people know 
uh, thanks to my podcast and and uh, after 30 as a stand-up, I was never. I always I said stuff on Tough Crowd. Yeah. I I, I called. Uh, we showed a commercial and I said that's cultural. They're cultural Marxists. The people that write this shit. And everybody's like, what's he talking about? And yeah. I got like pigeonholed that day. Right. You know. That's got to be at least 10 years ago. So that's before. At least 10 years yeah. ago. Yeah. I was reading a lot of uh, Pep Buchanan, who I still love. <laughs> okay. What are you? Uh, <laughs> so you were in the Tough Crowd crew. Yes. Uh, Colin Quinn, obviously, yeah. and that whole crew. That show, it was only on for a couple of years, actually. Right. But it probably would never, well, not probably, it would never make it on Comedy Central now. Oh, God, no. You know? They actually said to Colin, who's a genius, Colin grew up in, if you, do you know, do you know yeah, Colin? Of course. Yeah, of yeah. I mean, he's the sweetest guy, as, as bright a guy as you'll ever meet. He grew up in Brooklyn, and you know, went to high school, black kids, Puerto Ricans, Dominican. He knows that world. Yeah. And they actually said to him after a few episodes of Tough Crowd, after a couple seasons, they said, why don't you let, leave the race stuff to Chappelle? Can you imagine wow. saying that to Colin? That's actually racist. I mean, that- Of course it is. Yeah. Of course it is. People love that show, because me and Patrice, yeah. me and Patrice, ah, Patrice would unload on each other, and people loved me for it. I was on a plane in Atlanta, right after me and Patrice had a good, toe-to-toe uh, -to -toe, uh, on the show. And I was a plane in Atlanta, and I see this black guy looking at me with his son. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm getting a little nervous, and they come up to me, and, and, and they go, we love you, man, on Tough Crowd. Yeah. And, and just, it was like, you know, people, once you meet people face-to-face, you know, is that what sort of, because you clearly have a good disposition, especially for a comic. Is that partly what it is? Like, I see this now after being on tour for the last year. If I go online, it's just like an endless hate fest of lunacy. I, everyone's trying to destroy each other. Yeah. And then every night when I'm touring and I do meet and greets after the show and I meet all of these people and nobody cares what sex they are or right. sexuality or right. color. And everyone's great. So I feel like I live in these alternate worlds you where the, the real world happens to be pretty damn good. It is. And it's not just social media, just the, just the mainstream media. Yeah. I'll be laying there watching TV, and all of a sudden a PSA will come on for bullying. <laughs> Jesus Christ, leave it alone for five. I can't watch a Red Sox game. I'm from Boston. <laughs> New England Sports Network is the most PC. I love my Red Sox. I, I have trouble. There's always a, oh, we got 12 women from the Maine Women's Shelter here. <laughs> There's kids with cancer. It's like, Jesus, I go to, I, I'm watching this to get away from that. Yeah, well, that, look, look what happened to ESPN. I mean, they've destroyed themselves in the name of being woke. And they didn't give a shit, did yeah. they? they? Do they have that much money? Or That's Disney. Nothing is more PC than Disney. Yeah. They're at the core of it, too. So, wait, you mentioned, we'll get, we'll get there, but I, I don't want to jump over Patrice, because you've yeah. watched a couple of your core guys died in I the know. midst of this. Which I is, know. Uh, so Greg Giraldo, yeah. who was like on his way to becoming star of yeah. stars, I used to live like two or three blocks away from him on the Upper yeah. West, and I remember seeing him. I would see him all the time. He'd have his two kids and he'd be walking them to school yeah. or whatever, and I used to see him at Equinox at the gym, and he, he was fit, and he seemed like he was like, I, I used to look at him and be like, we didn't really, you know, he kind of knew I was a comic, but we yeah. didn't know each other. But I would look at him and I'd be like, oh, you're a comic who like became a human. You, you actually became like a real person too. And I thought of, I sort of wanted to emulate that in a way. And I remember I saw him at the gym one day, and he's pumping, blah blah blah. He was dead two days later, and yeah. it, like it really threw me for a loop. Even though I didn't know the guy that well, so, yeah. and you've had a couple of guys in your crew that just, yeah, Patrice and and and, and Greg. Uh, even now, when I hear him on the radio, you know, I'll be listening to Satellite, and and I'm like, ah, oh, I got a good line for Patrice, uh, uh, Greg, yeah. and it just, it, it, I never really got over the. 
Giraldo just shocked me when, when, when that happened. He seemed too smart. I mean, he's a Harvard guy, yeah. law guy. But that's what I loved about him. He gave, lent some credibility to stand up, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. A, 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 a very bright kid and always, yeah, he was always jovial and, and you know, and he would pick my brain. He would watch me. I was a little ahead of him. Yeah. And he would be all asking all the right questions, you know, about stand up and, and uh, and he was on his way, you know, like you said. Uh, and, and Patrice, I just love Patrice because he's a Boston guy. He's a curmudgeon and didn't hide, yeah. didn't hide his dislike for Whitey. Yeah. And I didn't hide my dislike for him or yeah. his friends, which that's why we liked each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and uh, what a blow to lose those. It's always the good ones, isn't it? They, yeah, well, only the good die young. You know, Sarah Silverman will live until she's 112. <laughs> Pat Oswald and Kathy Griffin. Oh, well, now you're talking about the people that dragged me back in. I mean, th th those three particularly, actually, but there's a couple others that these are the ones that are talking about we can't let Milo's book be published. Doesn't matter what you think about Milo. Comedians talking about banning books. I mean, Can you imagine if you seriously? said that about whoever, you know, Bill Maher should not be able to write a book. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, they are artists and they are for groupthink. Yeah. Which is the quickest way to stifle any creative. They're little fascist fucks. I hate them. Yeah. I try to be nice. I, I actually texted Pat Oswald. I don't know him that well. Yeah. When his wife died, I, I felt so horrible. I texted him a couple times, and then I read this stuff no. that he says, and I, I was like, I don't like this guy. Wish it was him. <laughs> there's the, there's the line. Pat and I'm just busting balls. Right? Yeah. Um, but, you know what I mean? And Sarah Silverman, who is she? Yeah, well. Couldn't follow me on my worst night. Yeah. There it is. So, so what do we do to break that thing? Because it does still seem to be spreading. Like I get that there's some there there's some pushback now and there. Well, first off, do you what do you consider? You're conservative. I mean, if somebody I, I'm said, not. I know, I know, it doesn't really matter. In, in no, the, I know, but I, I, I'm like and Quinn's calling Quinn's others too. I don't. I got labeled that after Tough Crowd. Yeah, but we're in show business, right? Kind I guess. That, yeah, I guess something. This is show business. Yeah. Uh, in, in in Hollywood or wherever in show business, if you if you're uh, out of out of twenty issues, if you lean right on two of them, you're a Nazi. You're a Nazi. Yeah. So I kept getting pegged with that conservative, conservative, but I, I'm really not. I, I'm for the truth. I call them as I see them. Yeah. And I'm sure you know uh, conservatives back in the civil rights were on the wrong side of that. Now, now these guys are them. They're, they're, they're on the wrong side to me. Yeah. Uh, anytime you want to censor, uh, but. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm pro-gay marriage. I don't really care about guns. Um, I can't say I'm pro-life only because, like, I have a dad dying of Alzheimer's right now, and if I could put him out of his misery tomorrow, I would. Hmm. And when I was young, I I was glad there was Planned Parenthood around. I got <laughs> in trouble with a few girls or whatever. Yeah, so yeah. I'd be a hypocrite to say, yeah. but there's way too many abortions. I'll go with that. I mean, uh, this is ridiculous what's going on. Yeah. It's Isn't being, it strange, though, that those positions, which I'm with you, I describe myself, I'm begrudgingly pro-choice. I, I wish I didn't have to be. But begrudgingly, I yeah, good word. You know, but I know I know several women that have had abortions in the last, like, yes. I, just, I don't think I could take that away from them, but I completely get the pro-life side. Right. But even to take those positions, you just said, if you're going to take anything that's not on the progressive side, you're you're one of the bad guys. Yes, so. well, that's what it is. You have to check off all the boxes. Yeah. Well, you're you're a Nazi or whatever, which is, and th this whole you're a bigot. Who do you, who do you think you well, are yeah. that you can label somebody that? Uh, 
That, that is, to me, unbelievable. You've never had a racist thought or a muttered a racist thing? Those are the only people that have the right to call me a bigger, and, and that person doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. I mean, the sanctimony on the, it, it is fine. I, I can't believe it. Yeah, my, you know? my buddy Pete Bogosian, who's been on the show many times, calls this thing a secular religion. And that's, that's it, what it, it is. It's become a religion. That's what it is. To these people, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they put it before anything, God, you know? We got our work cut out for us, huh? Uh, also, uh, the solution is a war, folks. I don't know yeah. what to tell you. I mean, we're, or, or we're gonna balkanize and break apart or whatever and, and, and whatever. Well, you know, it's funny you say that, but I do see this undercurrent of people talking about that now. Do you actually think that, yeah. that that's where we end that's up? That's right. That eventually over years, these ideas just keep percolating. Everyone realizes how much they have in disagreement with their neighbor, and then we end up in some horrible place. I mean, it's pretty much everything I've been fighting against. I've been trying to get these sides to be <laughs> to a little it. more decent, but but I get the impulse on that. Yeah, because the gap's too people. big now. There is no middle ground. There is no the center. I, I I I use an analogy. Uh, it's like an athlete's knee. I'm think of Bobby yours, my. It's like, uh, you know, the cartilage is gone. Yeah, and There's now no, it's just. Now it's bone oh, on bone. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's, uh, yeah, I mean, there's such a gap. We're seeing the world through two different lenses. Yeah. I don't see that closing. I only see, you know, and, and social media sort of threw the gas on it and expedited it. What do you make about what's going on with the, with the tech companies and censorship and all that? Because that also is another thing that should be right in a comedian's wheelhouse. And I don't see these guys doing it. I see... Seth MacFarlane telling, uh, you know, saying the Family Guy is not going to do uh, gay jokes anymore. The Simpsons isn't going to put Apu in episodes. The hardest working guy on the show who was completely welcomed, who was an immigrant that changed Homer's stance yeah. on illegal immigration and a yeah. gajillion other things. That's who a cancer about, in this who, country. <laughs> who taught about Indian weddings and Hinduism and veganism. How horrible. Uh, horrible, Get right? Get him just, off the TV set. Just disgusting, yeah. But all of this, it's all related to social media, the way everyone just, we can look at the past and immediately erase it and we're automatically going to be better and all of this endless bullshit. What do you yeah. make of all of that? Well, the tech companies have it out for us. Are you starting that thing with Jordan? We're, we're working on it. Can we're, you I'll, count me I'll, in? I'll please? count you in. I'll I'm count. still You're on in. Patreon. Yeah. Are you? Yeah. And they're, right. you, you know, and they're, they're look, they're, they've been fair to me, but I, you know, I don't want to contribute to a yeah. I don't know where their money's going. Yeah, yeah, you're in. We'll have to discuss the rest of it, not with the cameras. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Leave it to me to bring that up. Yeah. Um, that's what I do. Yeah. Um, well, even just related to that, you know, I saw one guy, it's like a fairly well-known, you know, verified blue check lefty attacking me and Jordan over leaving because, you know, Carl Benjamin and Sargon Bakad said the N-word. And he said it, and the guy kept saying, if he had said it with an A at the end instead of an R at the end, it would have been okay. <laughs> and I thought, you guys, dead you, serious. You've, yeah, completely serious. <coughs> completely serious. Because then it would have been sort of an endearing or at least a colloquial way of saying it. Right. But he said it with a hard R, even though the way he said it was against the alt right anyway, but putting aside reality <laughs> for a second. But I thought the way you people whittle down everything. It tells into, you. It's not even about a word, it's about the intonation that you say the word right. with. It's like. Think about that. Yeah. Just that alone. And as if you've never said anything, right? You've never said it one way or the other no, way. No, exactly. Or, yeah. Oh, I corrected myself. Oh, yeah. you know, did I say it? Uh, yeah, I mean, right. that proves how silly their arguments are. Yeah. But but uh, I love that clip of Louis that at Governor's uh, that clip that surfaced a couple weeks ago. Yeah yeah yeah. So what do you make of that? So you and you and Louis go way back. Yes. Obviously everyone knows what what happened with him. Give me the sort of look. I, I I've said it a million bit. times. I if he did that to my sister, I would have punched him in the face or a friend, you know, a girlfriend or whatever. Obviously that was horrible behavior on his part. Yeah. 
but I mean, capital offense, right? Ruining his life and career. Get over yourselves, ladies. You know, I, I lived with him. I do a joke on stage about it. And I, I let's you, you have to let's differentiate between him and Harvey Weinstein. I mean, everybody's being lumped in now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, what Louis did was horrible and stuff. But I, you know, then I, I do a bit about it. So I lived with him for a year and a half. I saw his dick maybe ten times, four times consensually. <laughs> so, <laughs> So I love him. He's yeah. he's a great father. He's he's as smart a guy as I ever met. And and he was all I, I loved him. He was always a little reckless. Yeah. And and but um, what do you make of that thing? I mean, it gets to what I talked about earlier or what we talked about earlier about just comedians and sort of being messed up and whatever. Like that thing about like he's got everything right. I mean, that that PayPal shot when he had that million bucks just sitting in there because he sold his special just like he, that. Like the yeah. guy had everything. He was respected by yeah. everybody. Like and yet. Some other shit's still going down. He, and I think we're, we all suffer from that at some level. Like, it's just, it's part of the human condition. Yes. Yeah, we're, we're humans. We're flawed. He never, Louis never cared about money. Even even when he started to make it at the beginning. And uh, I was like his big brother. He, he didn't even know how to handle money when, when we were, you know, we first met. We, we went to San Francisco. We're doing the punchline. Me and him were like co-headlining something. He goes, I'm going out to rent the VCR. This is back in the early 90s, so we can watch movies at the hotel, whatever. Yeah. And, and we, we both had literally, I'd probably, uh, probably $900 net worth. between. <laughs> he comes back with a $600 trumpet <laughs> that he bought. This is how he, he yeah. I had to explain to him the, you know, the value of money. And I still don't think, um, that's not what drives him. I know he got all that success commercially and all the money and stuff. Yeah. But he's a he's the most interesting person yeah. I, I, I've ever met. I think. So what, what do you think? You think he's doing the forgiveness machine right? Basically, I love by, what he did. He waited back in. He waited around and he saw the bitching and we stuck his face out for two minutes and people were going wild. Yeah. You gotta let me know when he's at the club. Well, yeah. he didn't kill babies. <laughs> Yeah, what, what the fuck is going on here? So he stuck his face out and took the temperature of, and there was a bunch of whining and stuff, and he probably thought about, mulled it over a few months, said, fuck this, I'm coming back, yeah. and I'm throwing haymakers. I yeah. loved the way, all the stuff, all the people that, you know, before this that loved him, now, now he's the... Right, right, right. Again, and again, and, and the comics, too, it's it, the comics. Yeah, but it goes back to that feminist stuff. It always goes back to that. You know? So... He get he gets back in, and then of course all the articles were now he's all right. You saw all that, you know. Yeah, he's, talking about he's gonna be the king of the red states. And yeah, yeah, better yeah, not yeah. be. That's my. Therapy. That, <laughs> I've been working at it thirty years. All he had to do was whip my dick out, and I could. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he won't be. And he no, his comedy will be like it's always been. Yeah. I don't think he will be the, you know. But 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 I do have a problem with a few comics out there who are kind of famous. Who are now getting the label as, uh, you know, uh, edgy and anti-PC. Who, who's edgy that you think is actually edgy these days? Me? My whole career? We should do a show together. We should do a yeah, show together. Yeah, we should. Yeah, all right, we'll do something. Uh, edgy, yeah. is, edgy is doing jokes, pushing racial, well, with a table of black people yeah. right there, where you could get punched in the fit. That's edgy. Mm -hmm. Not going in front of, Pat and Oswald going in front of the thousand nerds, and, and <laughs> that's not edgy. It never was, you know. Uh, me telling my how I feel about women, certain you know, or the, the feminist movement, yeah, and doing stuff that could hurt you. I've been doing it my whole, but you got to be funny about it mm -hmm. first, right? Funny first, first. you have Not to be. Them. Otherwise, you end up preaching, and and uh, um, 
Like Billy Burr is now he's getting labeled as kind of edgy, but Billy's a very liberal guy. Mm -hmm. And to me, his politics of the past helped create this environment. I love when they call him racist. I was just at a wedding with him a couple of weeks ago. His wife is black. You idiot. I know. I love his wife. And he, 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 Billy <laughs> is his, the least racist person yeah. I know. Can you imagine? But but those guys, you know, I was pushing that a long time ago. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and now they're like, he's, you know, real. And not Billy so. But Burr right now, to me, is the funniest. Mm -hmm. He's like every guy I grew up with in Boston. Mm -hmm. Just he sounds like every kid I grew up with, and and brutally funny. But my point being, those I, Bill Maher was getting all. Remember Bill Maher went after his own audience because yeah. uh, of the Muslim thing and yeah. stuff. Yeah. But but I said good for Bill. But Bill, you helped create this environment. I know. I, I'm I'm so Do like caught with way? him because I loved him for so many years. He was like my guy. He was the right kind of liberal, free speech liberal. Yeah. I loved him. And I've always wanted to be on the show, and I, I, I want to do this with him, I really do, but, yeah. th but these last couple of years, even though I think he's still on the right side on the free speech stuff, yeah. but when he apologized because of the N-word to Ice-T or whoever it was, it was like, yeah. this, is, this is bad, this is bad. And now his Trump stuff has gotten so, he's, oh like, he's become God. like a character of caricature right. of himself. And I, and I say that with like the most respect, like I want him to be better again or something, you know? Yeah. But, he, but what does that tell you about just sort of the way television also has changed? Because you've been on The Tonight Show, you've been on Letterman, you've been on, on all the late night shows. Yeah. They seem completely irrelevant to me now. I, I mean that, oh, I, I, I don't mean that putting you down, you know what I mean? No, no. Like, just like the machine has now changed. At least I did it when Jay was there. Yeah. yeah. I, and I love Jimmy too, I, I love Fallon too, but it's a whole different, and, and my stuff, I mean I wasn't, you know, when we start comedy, at the beginning of your career you try to have a lot of kind of TV clean, because yeah. you want to get some exposure. Yeah. So I wasn't super edgy, but on my first letterman, I did mention like a gay woman arguing with me about her dog or whatever, and yeah. whatever, you know, I guess compared to what other people, that I made fun of homeless, my opening line, right. or whatever, so I guess that was kind of edgy. But that could at least work then, now you're not getting on The Tonight Show with that. Well, it's funny, I, mean, I, I went to see my buddy Joe Liss when he did his first letterman, and the girl said that they wanted me to come back on, it was like a casual chat in the green room. Yeah. But she goes, you can't do any cancer stuff, any home. She starts listing, and I go, I'm all set, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> as much as I would, I would have loved to have done, uh, you know, one more Letterman or whatever. We, we all should have seen this. What's that line from the comedian documentary that Seinfeld did when Orny Adams says he goes on The Tonight Show and they made him change? You know, there's one person on this bus, and that person has... Uh, lupus or something, and that was his joke because he was the only person on the bus. But they made him change it from lupus oh, to yeah. muscular dystrophy, yeah, or, yeah, or, yeah. or the other way around. Yeah. Like the way they look <laughs> at words, like someone they had a debate, like a network executive right. had a debate, like which is more offensive, lupus or muscular dystrophy. I'm honestly not even sure which way it was, which tells you how stupid it is. But what do you think about that? Just the way that the it's like irrational. the old days, the old days, like you know, you wanted to get on Carson so you could do your five, and maybe he invites you to sit down, and if he does, right. Now you're a star. That, right. That's just oh, that's, gone. That's been gone forever. Yeah. You know? I was excited because Jay, Jay Leno was one of my influences. People laugh when I say, I go, go watch Jay Leno when he used to appear on The Letterman Show in the 80s. Jay would have him on three times a month. Yeah. <clears throat> and Jay was the king of stand-up at that point. He would go on there. Google. I, 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 I still go home and I Google these sometimes. <clears throat> watch Jay as a guest, how funny he was. Yeah. That's what really pushed me. Jay, I grew up about 10 minutes from Jay. He, I go, this guy looks like me, he sounds like me, he's Italian, he's Scottish, and, yeah. and, uh, and sarcastic. And uh, so that was one of my influences. And, and um, 
but it, the whole game has changed. Yeah. Do you think it matters anymore that, like, there was a certain there was a certain magic to this idea that you could go through that machine. There was like an actual path to being yeah, good this, and success. Yeah, that's all gone. Do you, do you think? Do you miss it at all? Or the idea of that? And I now like, it's just a kind of a free-for-all? I, I like it now. Yeah. I like that we're all doing our own thing. Yeah. And I, Kennison, I used it as the model. Like Kennison was so offensive and stuff. Yeah. But he, 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 became, he became such a cult, had such a cult following, mm -hmm. that Hollywood came to him. Yeah. Once you get so big, you know, you have so many followers and stuff. Um, Kennison sort of did that. He made Hollywood come to him. He was outrageous and... They finally put him on Letterman stuff. I, I like what's going on. Like, as far as me on my podcast, being able to cut loose, and um, people are looking for you and guys like you and I now. Yeah. There's very few. I did a gig Friday night in San Diego, uh, the Comedy Palace. And I was in San Diego Friday night. Were you really? Yeah. I was hey, did you ever do that little room? Uh, I haven't done that, but, I, well, I was at the Balboa Theater with Peterson, so that's a, okay. that's a, that's a different thing. Oh, you should have come yeah. to the Comedy Palace. <laughs> I pull up and I'm like, oh, it's kind of a restaurant. But I go in the beautiful comedy room, set up perfectly. Yeah. Probably 150 people, maybe. Yeah. But San Diego, a sweet spot for yeah, it. It was 60% Latino. Mm -hmm. And they loved me. I have a, there's an old, this is, what, this is when you feel great about being a stand. It's like a Mexican woman in the front. She had to be 65 years old. Yeah. She goes to me after the show, say hi to the Twinks. Those are my two producers of my podcast. <laughs> She loved my podcast. She's like a 65-year-old Mexican one. Yeah. And when I was doing the religious stuff, she was hanging on every word. And then it was all these biracial couples, a white guy with a Mexican wife, you know, vice versa. And, and then some white uh, military guys. And they wanted to hear me. I'm doing, I'm going to get real political. I'm not real. When you come to see me now, it's a mix. Yeah. But my next album is going to be all puck. So I was people gonna, are waiting to hear for they, they perk up when I go into the political stuff. Yeah. Well, there's definitely a need for this type of political thing in stand up, yeah. which is what I'm doing. But so that's what I was going to ask you. Do you even consider yourself political no. per se? No. Yeah. So it's I, kind of bizarre, right? Colin Quinn, and I've used this at every interview I've ever done. Colin Quinn said it 20 years ago, 20 years ago and I said, I'm not really a political comic, Colin. I'm not really conservative. He goes, Nick, but he goes, you're the type of guy, you could be, you could be telling a McDonald's joke and people yeah. can tell how you voted. Yeah, <laughs> Which is a good. great quote. That's good. That sums it up. Yeah. I, I go after the macro. It's more cultural with me, you know? Yeah. I don't go up there and talk about the farm bill that was, yeah. you know. <laughs> That went in the toilet. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm more macro. I, I I always push the racial stuff because to me that's the that's the one um, issue that there's the biggest gap between how it's discussed privately as opposed to publicly. That's yeah. the biggest lie. And the me, I, I can't watch another home alarm commercial where, where the five criminals are white. Yeah. I, just, I, I said that 20 years ago. Uh, I've been called. I started the whole look at the dumb white father in the commercial. On my first album right. in 1994, I said it. I think I was listening to Rush at the time. Right, right, right. You know, and he sort of made me aware. Yeah. But my, I watch these commercials, and it's it's just hilarious. But it's weird how everything's become political, right? Like, it didn't yes, used to be. I, I was always doing political stuff. I was a political science major, so I was always into it. Were you it. really? Yeah, but, but actually, I, I'm so less interested in politics more so now than I've ever been. I, I like the cultural thing. Yeah. What we're talking about here is cultural, yeah. not, not political right. per se. Right. Um, but it's weird that everything is politics now. Our celebrities are politics. Every, we're always talking, the, the Oscars are political, Sports Center is political. It's, it's kind of gross, actually. Yeah, it was such a media-driven society, and now the s social media 
has added another layer. But it's gross. It's almost like we don't want to have lives outside of, you know? You got to do the detox. I get off on the weekends and I take August. No phone, no nothing. All of August? All of August. No, no news. <laughs> detox. No, try That's to avoid a... CNN while you're... You can't. It, it's what are you doing, taking a helicopter? No, I, I can't go to an airport. I can't go to the gym. I can't go to the burger joint. Literally, just going to the gym, I have to walk around like this, but I, but I did it because yeah. I was like, I, I think you've got to escape some of this lunacy. Oh, you have every to. Every now and again. I, and I don't even realize it, but I, yeah, like I accidentally put on a movie the other night. Yeah. It's like Rocky Three or whatever, yeah. you know, nothing. But it felt so good. Yeah. I go, it actually felt like I was eating cotton candy or something. Yeah. As opposed to oh, it's just <laughs> watching this Tucker thing. and then flipping over to, yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, and actually Joe List, this comic, young comic, said that to me a couple of years ago. He goes, you watch too much news. I go, I have to defend myself from assholes like you. <laughs> But, uh, so how do we how do we push back against the mob? That that seems to be the big thing now. It's like I actually think there's some momentum there. I, I think we're waking up a certain amount. We of people. are waking up, but here's the problem, Dave. What we're watching now is a plan that the left put together 50 years ago, infiltrating schools and all the institutions, taking over, you know, Hollywood, and it's all coming to. Fr that's why they're winning. Mm -hmm. I don't think we will be able to. You know what I mean? It'll take 40 years to, to we have to grab back the institutions, like, you know, right. entertainment and... and, and uh, so what does that mean? I mean, well, I guess um, we're doing we'll be it, gone right? When we'll, it, we'll be long we'll be gone. gone. That's the problem. <clears throat> unless, again, unless it comes to violence. Um, I, I, but yeah, it, it's going to take forever. All we have, we don't, all we have is Fox News, you know. Uh, Fox couple, are the only ones that put me on. They're, they're the only ones. I can to give my liberal credit left and right. I can't get a call from the other ones. I have an interesting like, history. For, well, you can't. You're a, a yeah. gay conservative. Yeah. And they I don't even call myself you. conservative. I'm, I'm actually a liberal, but there's no... I'm a real liberal. There's no... Right, there, right. There's none of us left anymore. Yeah. That's what Louis is. Yeah. Lo, lo, Louis couldn't well, be more fair, you know? When we used to argue race and Paul, Even when I did his, uh, his show on FX, you know, uh, um, Horace and Pete, he, you know, he wrote my... And I would he, he would let me look at it first, you know. And yeah. he, he looked, he's an old school liberal, looks at both sides, yeah. very thoughtful about it. But isn't that the irony with, with what's happened to the comics? Is yes. that most comics inherently, I think, are libertarians. Most comics want yes. to be able to say whatever they want and yes. live however you want, and, not, and I'm going to live however I want. But they've been like... They've been they've brainwashed. Been, yeah, they've been like, it's yes. brainwashed. It's even worse. They've been just infected yes. by this thing that I guess, I guess it will, in the short term, give them some success or something. So it's easy to do it, you know? And what's creeping me out, it's it seeped into management now, like people who run the clubs. Yeah. That's what creeps me out. You know? is, that, is that happening? I haven't encountered that I've heard that stories yet. like Kurt Metzger getting in trouble for doing a rape joke. Oh, yeah, yeah. They I send them home and don't one. tell them why. Yeah. And, and, and Bobby Slayton going after, you know, joking around with some black woman in the crowd. And she got offended. <sighs> and now the helium doesn't want to Bobby. use him. Yeah. How couldn't you love Bobby Slayton? Yeah. I mean, um, and. I mean, where would Don Rickles be right now? You know what I mean? And that was, he did it for all the right reasons. Every ethnic joke was for the right reasons because right. we're all equal in this country, you freaks. He, when he was on Latimer a few years ago, one of his last appearances, that was probably going on 10 years ago. There were two, they had a camera in a bar next door, uh -huh. like in the lobby, and uh -huh. there were two black, older black women at the bar or whatever, and Rickles is on going, hey, oi, and, and they're looking around at the camera, you know. <laughs> What are you drinking them? Uh, moonshine, whatever, 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 ripple, and all these, I'm going, holy yeah. God, even me, I'm sitting home going, you know, 
and, and they still don't know with a camera, and, and, and you hear Rickles goes, and they wonder why they can't get any work. Oh. <laughs> Even the crowd at Letterman's like, nah. You know? But he did it to everybody. That everybody the across point. the board. Yeah. Not that, not that you have to. That's my rule, too. I don't feel I need to be balanced. Because when I sit home and I watch how white men are portrayed in commercials and on TV and in movies, I feel no need to balance it out. After the show, people go, why did you make fun of uh, white people? I go, go home and watch TV. Yeah. Well, it does seem like it's coordinated, what's going on. This endless thing it's of, ch- of straight white men. And that, you're, that politicians are doing it constantly. That it's about white men. It's like, you are racist. You people who call everyone racist, you are racist. Congrats. Oh, yeah, you can you generalize it. now about white guys. Yeah. I mean, I've been hearing that phrase forever. Typical typical frat boy. You know, that's code for, for white. Yeah. Um, yeah, you said it's coordinated. It, it really is, isn't it? I mean, this is where it's I like, say conspiracy, Colin Quinn, because he goes, it's not a conspiracy. It's so big that it's not a conspiracy. That's his theory. It's not that a it, That it infiltrated media Everything. and academia. They don't even have it, to it coordinate. Can, yeah. And I'm like, no, I still think there's 10 guys in a room. So that's, uh, it depends how far you want to go down, like the, 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 <laughs> the Bilderberg group. Yeah, yeah, and four yeah. of them are gay. Yeah, naturally, naturally. Two of them are black, and yeah. uh, I don't know what the other four are. Yeah. But, but it does feel like an agenda because they follow a certain, every commercial has that certain, you know, yeah. that progress, the, 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 those the, the, progressive the, commercials. Which Gillette, George, Gillette, you must have loved that one. Oh, my, I, I couldn't believe it. That's Gillette as in Robert Kraft. That yeah. owns the Patriots, right? Yeah. I actually, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a diehard Pats fan. Yeah. I go, I don't even know if I'm going to watch a Super Bowl. Of course, yeah. I didn't mean it. But uh, it infuriated me. Yeah. But how about the progressive commercials? George Soros, that's one of his companies, by the way. Progressive um, auto insurance? Yeah. Yeah. Those are the worst as far as emasculating white guys. Especially the, the, the latest one, the, the guy, he's, in a, he's got like a members only jacket on and he's got a black buddy uh-huh. and they're going out. And the black guy says, Bill's my best friend, but he's really changed. And he's, he's handing out directions to the club, you know, that he printed out. Yeah. And, 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 you know, can we get some jalapeno poppers, please? Yeah. And he's got khakis on. Right. And he's playing, you know, air guitar on the dance floor. Just this, just the, I mean, it doesn't even bother me anymore because I started picking these things out years ago. But this one, it is brutal. You might, it would be like having a black guy tap dancing, right. eating fried chicken in a commercial. That, right. You know, that offensive. And the movie, I just watched that movie, Green Book. Oh, I didn't see it. Uh, try to watch that one. Yeah. Especially if you're Italian. You talk about offensive. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. As an Italian, I can't believe, we don't, we, we have yeah, a sense well, of humor about Italians it. Yeah, well, thank God Italians have a sense of we humor. We have a sense of humor. Yeah. They literally have an Italian guy in a wife be to fold a whole pizza. Yeah. And eat it. And, and the black guy in the movie doesn't even have to eat fried chicken. He had never had fried chicken. He was a stuffy right. raised, you know. Well, remember Literally when, doesn't know how to hold it. Like a guy at a commercial, yeah. an infomercial, doesn't know how to use a carrot peeler. Oh, <laughs> has this ever happened to you? <laughs> I mean, it's propaganda, Dave. Yeah. Remember when, uh, when Anthony Scaramucci had to step down after his oh, you know, yeah. two days as, yeah. as comms director? But every joke was about him being Italian and in the mafia. Yes. And I didn't see Italians rioting or no, screaming no. and it was just like no we did all right you know yeah that's why we can take it but i, I it just this this movie it's why i don't go to the movies and it was so predictable i should brew on the ending for everybody but uh oh i've never had fried chicken before and he's and the, and the italian guy is just like they projected everything 
like uh, black stereotypical behavior on him, his uh -huh. character. It was just a reverse of roles. They sat down and literally did cross-referencing, it looked like. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you ever get worried brutal. that uh, you just, even though you said it's infiltrating the clubs, that like management and the rest of Hollywood, that you're just not gonna get other gigs or will be passed Oh, I've given up on Hollywood. Yeah. I've given up on Hollywood a long time ago. Um, I'll always, uh, you know, stand up. There's always gonna be a place even when they're trying to shut down speech, it's going to make it better for guys like us, I think, yeah. in, the, in the long run. But, um, yeah, I've, I've given up on that. Yeah. I like, you know, I mean, if somebody wants to throw me in a film or whatever, I told my agent, I go, if the breakdown doesn't say Nick DiPaolo uh, type, I don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty cocky. Um, but uh, thank God for stand-up and, and the uh, internet podcast. Yeah. You, know? you think it's we're going to be better off in a couple of years or not? You think... I mean that that's where we're at, right? Like <clears throat> better when you say better off as a, well, as a nation that, or you and I as a Well, I mean just generally like just this look, if we let's pretend the civil war doesn't come at, in 5 years. Where where do you think we're at? Um, we're on the brink of civil war. <laughs> you really you're, you're going bullish on the civil war. I thing. don't know where where else we can go. There's one side that doesn't want to play. There's one side that has no, you know, you can't keep calling people bigots. People who go out and work and bust their ass, blue-collar people, people that make this country great. Sounds yeah. corny, but they do. Yeah. And you're going to keep pointing your finger and call them racists and bigots and, and, and take more of their, confiscate their money. Uh, Ocasio-Cortez and her stupid plan. Yeah, uh, yeah good 84% if you live in New York City and you're over making over 10 million. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, we'd all love to make 10 million. Doesn't mean the government gets to take it just because they want to. No, that's confiscation. Yeah, but it's moral. She said it's moral. That's how they do it. If you're immoral, right? If you're immoral, they can call you whatever you want. That's the whole Nazi, you know, Trump's a Nazi. If he's a Nazi, you can kill him. Yeah. If you really believe that, right? That's what they do. That's what gets me the most, that sanctimony. Yeah. On the left of, oh, well, they're okay. just doing all the shit that they're claiming everyone yes! else is doing. You know? they're projecting on us. It's like imagine what it'll be like if these guys have the political power and the tech power. Well, you might they're going to do all the things. That, well, that's the thing. They're going to do all of the things that they say Trump is doing. But nobody's in jail over free speech right now. No, you know, it's like once that's my once biggest they, fear. Oh, yeah, um, that they have. They have labeled Trump. You know, I mean, just relentless on this guy. And they create chaos, mm -hmm. and people eventually going to get tired of the chaos, even if you like Trump. That's what I think their their plan was. The left, just constant chaos with this guy, accuse him of everything, and eventually, even the people in the middle might go, "We have to. This is tiring. Right. We have to." Even though I, I love what he's done, yeah. I love how he, he's exposed the swamp. I really. You know, I didn't like him as an entertainer and stuff, or one of the apprentice. I never watched any of that garbage. I loved him for what he's done to expose the, these liberal fascists and their crazy ideas. You, you can almost get them to make, take any position now, too, because if Trump says anything, they're automatically against it. So when he's anti-war, they're pro-war. I mean, it's actually Isn't it unbelievable? He can bananas. manipulate them. Yeah, it's like we're scaling back wars, and now they're for more war in Syria? You're for staying in Afghanistan? Like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I thought That's, you were the anti-war progressive. I know, they're so blinded. And again, and nobody mentions this, everybody goes, why, is, why do they hate him so much? I go, because he's an alpha male, blonde-haired, blue-eyed billionaire. That's why. Nobody brings that up. Yeah. He embodies the devil for them. An older white guy, billionaire, yeah. you know, alpha male, who you know, says he likes to grab women's pussy. That's, 
that's evil to them. All that is evil. Nobody ever brings up why, you know, they always dance around it yeah. on shows on Fox. And I'm trying to think what you're going to get in the most shit for in the last hour. What, I'm going to what? What you're going to get in the most shit for for the last hour. What do you mean? Just as you said, yeah, it's, it's grabbing by the pussy. It's like, you know, because there's always people waiting yeah. to, you know, watch something for an hour and find the 10 seconds that they can grab them. And, and they'll edit know. it. I, yeah. I, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I really that's don't. All, yeah, that's all that you, you can You can't hurt me anymore. Um, but uh, that's not why I love him, because he said that. I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I got you. I got you. Uh, but, uh, but I always yeah. have that in the back of my head, you know? <laughs> oh, absolutely. No, yeah. I don't. I, I, <laughs> right before I do an interview, I go, this is how it's going to go. Um, what are the, how are they going to hurt me? Am they going to kick me off my own podcast? Or it's not like I'm on an ABC sitcom. Or right. Well, they could start going for servers and you know try to bump everybody off all of these social media sites. I well, mean, that's, then, then, perhaps there's some people working on a solution to that. If you know what I mean. I uh, I heard that. I'm praying that it's true. I'm in the middle of reading his book right now. That guy. Yep. That guy. Yep. yep. And um, he's brilliant and. The all I get from the book is you're supposed to do the right thing. Who wants to live that way? That's very boring. Yeah. <laughs> These days, it's better than the alternative. No, he's you're exactly right, right, but you know. Yeah. Um. I yeah. I hope that comes to fruition. All right. Well. All right. Let's uh let's do a gig together. Absolutely. Yeah. Please. Yeah. All right. We're gonna make yeah. it happen. All right. Cool. Uh, everybody can follow Nick. Can I send them to your Twitter? Send them to nickdip.com. Nickdip.com. And That's sign up podcast. for my show, the Nick DiPaolo Show. It's, it's free on Monday and Wednesday. It streams on YouTube and Facebook yep. Live and a few other places. And then uh, Tuesday and Thursday, it's a Patreon. But you can do it all at my website. And we made it so simple, because I'm not a tech guy either. Yeah. But nickdip.com, and that's where you go. And come see me live, because uh, it's still my bread and butter. Nickdip.com, and don't forget to try the veal. <laughs>